Welcome to Break Through the Ordinary Podcast. Are you ready to be committed to your future self? If you are, sibling duo Mark and Claudine Shamate are here to take you on a journey of self-discovery to unlock your highest potential. Through impactful conversations with thought leaders, coaches, entrepreneurs, and healers, we are here to share practical tools and strategies for you to generate the life you envision. New episodes drop every Monday. And we have the beautiful Eden Amadora with us. She's a speaker, coach, mentor, ordained 13 moon priestess, and spiritual guide devoted to supporting you and remembering the truth of how powerful you are and beautiful and divine. Uh, she also assists you in stepping into your empowered, intuitive, and sovereign self. Um, she also has a quiz. Everything's going to be in show notes, but you have a quiz that it goes into your love and your beloved, and it, it's awesome. I've taken it. It's a beautiful uh, expression and, and a summary of who you are. So it's great. So look at that and look at all the show notes. She's an amazing feminine embodied woman. And we're happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah. Yay. So since we're about the breakthrough being the name of our podcast, we, we really like to start off with asking all our guests, what do you think individuals get to break through so they can have the life that they say they want? Well, the main main thing that I feel that I've broken through that has opened up my heart and opened up my life is that sense of separate kind of ego-based reality where there's competition, comparison, judgment, and a feeling of separateness. So when I've had what some people might consider like dark nights, the soul or challenging occurrences in my life, instead of collapsing into a victimized state, I've utilized them to break through to a state of deeper forgiveness, deeper connection to source, deeper connection to the moment, the present moment. And that's the biggest breakthrough I've had in my life. I feel like from there, everything changes. Your entire percep perception of reality changes. Mm. Yeah. Presence sounds um, so simple and easy. And I think the commitment to being in the present moment is really where we're all being called forth to embrace and yeah, embody. Any, anyone that's yeah. on a sincere path of, of spiritual growth or transformational work is eventually going to come to that, what I call initiation, to choose love, to choose more of a heart-centered awareness rather than that kind of tit-for-tat, ego-mind-based game strategy that humanity is kind of been caught in. So presence for me is synonymous with a state like a high frequency, high vibrational state of love, gratitude, joy, where life starts to open up and really flow. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, even if I can, even when you said those words, your chemistry changed, your face did. And I, as receiver, also had a chemistry Beautiful. change. Beautiful. Right, love, joy, like all those words, they, they carry. Um, Frequency. They do, they, they do, yes, without mm -hmm. <laughs> the airwaves. That's part of what I always believed. If you're not present, you're really not experiencing those things. You're not, you're not here to know. You're somewhere else. So thank yeah. you for the reminder and yeah. putting it so sweetly. Um, I know you deal a lot with f the feminine and the archetypes and all that. And one of the things that attracted to me, to you, is that you're, you're so much based in the feminine. So can you share with us about the archetypes, about the feminine? Yeah, for the last 13 years, I've been in a divine feminine mystery school training, which works with very specific faces of the divine feminine, 13 different archetypes of the goddess. And within a greater archetype, there's 
there's names and kind of historical goddess figures that we might be familiar with. So for instance, the goddess of love is a greater archetype that Lakshmi from India, Aphrodite from Greece, Venus from Rome, ancient Sumerian Inanna, they all kind of fractalize out of that greater energetic quality, which has its power in a very specific frequency. So it's different than the archetype of the great mother or the goddess of compassion per se. And I've been in, immersed in this mystery school training that goes very, very deep for a whole month in each of these 13 archetypes. And it's not a mental kind of intellectual academic study. It's an embodied yogic kind of tantric ritualized experience. So we're having a direct experience of the archetypal energy through us, through a day-long ceremony, and then how that ripples into our lives and our choices and our, our perceptions and orients us in a new way to embody these archetypes, to bring her here through us. And, you know, we're robbed of really powerful feminine archetypes in our culture across, you know, thousands of years. The feminine has been kind of erased from religion and history apart from, you know, maybe in the Far East or Mother Mary is this one kind of single figure that holds so many of these archetypes, the great mother, the goddess of compassion, these these frequencies that, you know, were given very few embodied kind of um, icons to, to look to. To. I mean, there, across history, there's people like Joan of Arc and Mary Magdalene as well. There's There are some that are shining through. That being said, in this time in our history, the feminine is awakening. And at first, the women's lib thing and feminine empowerment swung so far into more like, we've been suppressed for so long, we'll show you. We'll take back our place and our power. And now I feel like that is actually putting on that more kind of, I would call it more the toxic yang or the aggressive, like we'll be better men than the men kind of. And I see it in women I work with in the corporate world that come in so masculine, so hardened and their hearts are shielded, their adrenals are taxed. They've been, you know, competing in a man's world. And what's really needed is for us to honor the feminine and the masculine within all of us in balance and to elevate the feminine in collective consciousness and honor her in, in a really revering way. I mean, all life comes from the mother, right? And it takes both of these energies to create life always. So I could go on and on about this forever. If you can ask me anything about it. <laughs> Sounds great. I mean, I'm, I'm like, there's... Well, I oh, want to wow. want to dive a little deeper. So, I, I essentially one of the like, Christmas presents I got was a uh, an oracle deck. I'm just going to yeah. use that word oracle deck, but it was on 78 um, archetypes. Beautiful. And it, yeah, it's it's a, a very different experience for me. Like I, you know, some of them are like uh, very intuitive. This one has you dive deeper. And so, if we could speak into this collective, as you said, there's different cultures clearly have a deity that they speak into and label and, and however they do that. And what I'm hearing you say is having that example is a healing quality. Oh, yeah. Is that for, not for us to mimic by no means, but I'm hearing that if we can see ourselves energetically in that archetype, that it, it opens up, uh, I'm going to just use the word new possibility or 
a doorway to self-discovery? Definitely. So, so I've heard this expression that working with the psychology that we have can take 20, 30 years to really shift like radical transformation. And um, this one Jungian Jungian psychology uses archetypes. This one famous Jungian psychologist, um, Marion Woodman, I believe was her name. She compared working with archetypes, the distinction between working with the mind and psychology frequency-wise. She said working with talk therapy or psychology is like the quack of a duck vibrationally, the impact. Where working with archetypal energy is like a thunderclap of power to work with the psyche because it's going below the linear rational mind. It's going into these places that it's where the, the right brain, the feminine side is actually getting engaged as well, which is more the subconscious and the connective dreaming awake ability to, to transform the subconscious. So the archetypal energies that we work with, like I said before, we're not just listening and taking notes about them and all their characteristics. The whole field that you walk into is created to have a direct embodied experience. So for instance, the women are all adorned and wearing that color frequency. The great mother archetype is deep red, burgundy, honoring the womb, the blood mysteries, the root chakra. She's all about safety from within, resourcefulness. You walk into her temple, every altar is not only draped in that same frequency, it's covered in iconography and symbols and imagery that bring you deeper into her wisdom teachings, the sacred geometry of the spiral, the sacred spiral, like the Fibonacci spiral, where the galaxies move in that way, conch shells, sunflowers, her infinite intelligence is in that. And the practices were, were coming into our bodies in a kind of yogic way with that frequency of the spiral and the grounding, having a direct embodied experience through the songs we sing, through the rituals on the earth, honoring the element of earth. So the whole day is permeating this archetypal energy into your subconscious as well as your direct embodied physical experience. And there's such a change when you have a direct experience of surrender, meaning when you're invited to be held physically as if you are a child again in the arms of one of the other women that is embodying the great mother as a ritual enactment. And you're being asked to surrender for a good 15, 20 minutes and ask for what you never received as a child to allow that inner child to have that direct experience of unconditional love. There is such a profound healing and integration that can come from those kind of places that you just can't you can't do that in an hour therapy session. (laughs) It's just a very, very deep, deep process. Mm. Okay. I started to tear up. (laughs) Can I clarify? You said 13, you, you, and you're particularly honoring of the school. Yeah. The 13 moon mystery school. Yeah. Okay. And, and so that's something that you run. So I am an ordained priestess in that lineage. My mentor, and I call her my fairy goddess mother is Arielle Spilsbury. She wrote the 13 moon Oracle and the alchemy and the ecstasy and yeah, just total, you know, honor to her, her life as 
a transmitter and a translator of the divine. She's a she's a channel. She's a scribe of the goddess. She receives so much remembrance of old ways that we remembered. We remembered back in, you know, ancient Avalon and Samaria and Egypt. There were there were temples at that time. The divine feminine was revered at that time. It's been it's been lost in the last few thousand years. And so the the thirteen is it like you said one a month? So like if you embody the great mother and the root chakra in yeah. one month, then there's yeah another. you you travel oh. through an entire year. And this is another interesting fact for your listeners oh. that there was a time when we honored the moon and the cycles of the moon, and there are thirteen moons in one year. And when the Gregorian calendar was created, they changed it to a twelve system, which is not in a harmonic flow. That's why we keep doing these weird leap years and trying to catch up and make it work because we should be having 13 moons to track time. Yeah. And yeah. Th there's a lot, of, there's a lot about that with the erasure of the, the feminine from religion and, you know, the disconnection from earth and the elements people used to really pray and they would honor the land when they would plant, they would plant with the moon. They would, they would revere those different elements mental energies in a way that they're working in harmony with earth, with mother nature, with the divine feminine, with the elements. And the more disconnected we get from that, the more disconnected we've become from our own bodies, from each other, from source. Indigenous people say, well, God is feminine. It's the earth. It's life. It's here where, you know, it's a and then we became obsessed with this kind of um, disconnected sky god that you can't meet till after you die, like you know, religiously. So for me, it's about the union. It's always the both. It seems native uh, tribes and stuff had much more of that union, living in the earth and living that there was much more feminine. Wow, you embody it. Just listening to you talk, like my sister said, you feel it energetically. It's it's amazing how it just penetrates from your from your sharing. So we all have blocks in certain ways. The work we have to do, the shame we're carrying things from the past. How do you work with transmuting it, or how could you share some ways that our listeners can start that path of? moving into what you're what you're yeah, bringing. Thank you for that question. There's a, a way of holding what we call shadow in the feminine mysteries where instead of suppressing, avoiding, denying or using addictions to cover over intense feelings or energies that we've been imprinted with, we're inviting them to be touched and held and loved unconditionally and felt in a, in a way, especially in the, in the circle work, in a way where there's such compassion, there's such a container, a safe yeah. container that people who've carried sexual shame, body shame, um, lack of self-forgiveness, rage at the masculine, whatever it is, there's so many pieces we carry that impact our health, our, you know, physical, emotional, mental health. Even I've seen women's bodies change, literally like their posture and the way they hold weight and their faces, they release layers and layers of this unintegrated energy in a loving field that's saying, bring your tears, bring your anger. You, and the different archetypes really allow for that. So the second, the first archetype is about 
really it's about surrender. It's about surrendering and feeling safe and holding that, that inner child so that you can face these other pieces throughout the year. The next moon, we go into the goddess of compassion, which is really looking at what have you found impossible to forgive until now? And the transmutation ultimately comes through feeling, through integrating and what we call inner alchemy. When we're willing to be with those feelings, sometimes in the high frequency space, you'll see people either shake or cry or sweat, or sometimes almost like have to lie down. There's different levels of this alchemy that happen. One woman who had experimented with um, plant medicine with ayahuasca said, this is like a medicine journey without a physical substance because it's frequency. And she said, I feel like I'm having a, like a re-release of DMT sitting in the high frequency coherent space. And the nature of that kind of space is that it brings everything in the way of self-love and presence to the surface. It's, it's a invitation to be with what is that is so strong that some, so I always tell people who are coming for the, the initial interview, this is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> At one point or another, one of these archetypes is going to kind of kick your ego's ass. <laughs> Excuse my language, but it's true. There'll be something you're going to face that the mind will go, oh, no, 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 I don't want to go there. And so we make these agreements to go the distance and to be vulnerable and to lean in instead of wobble out when it gets tough. And just having so many other loving, we call them sacred mirrors in that field. One woman will share her deepest fear or regret or what she's found impossible to forgive or her body shame issues. And another woman will completely resonate in the field. And it's like medicine for more than one being. It ripples into the field. It's collective work. So what I'm hearing is you create such a sacred space that all of this can come in. Everything's welcome. It's so welcome. In fact, there's specific initiations about shame, about rage about forgiveness like so we go there consciously in a a path of awakening there's often things that happen in the world that will initiate us on a soul level like challenges and loss and betrayal and we get to choose to turn towards it or turn away from it in this work we're consciously meeting our fears we're consciously being challenged to step through gateways of initiation what will you choose now and be witnessed in that? And it catalyzes so much soul growth. Hmm. I'm just going to ask for our listener's sake to have some clarification on distinctions that you're using, if you don't mind. So I have my interpretation of shadow work and initiation. And so there's also many in our culture. So would you mind clarifying in your context, what you mean? Absolutely. For me and in the lens of the divine feminine mysteries, shadow is simply that which has yet to be brought into the light of your loving awareness to be held unconditionally and integrated. So often, often it's like young fragmented parts, parts that split off parts that are kind of wrecking havoc from 
from the subconscious with choices you keep making and patterns that you keep feeling stuck in, cycles of low self-worth or self-abuse or lack of self-care, things that the shadow is actually usually the wounded child that's crying out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Thank my you. definition of shadow and nothing to be afraid of. It's There's so much power there. In fact, right behind this kind of scary shadow is that beautiful divine child, the innocence that is being reclaimed. So it's such beautiful work. In the beginning, I remember when I was um, apprenticing back, you know, 12 years ago, and I would ask the mentor priestess, I would say, how do you deal with so much emotional, like releasing? And because I had, I had feared it. I didn't want to be responsible for that in a field when somebody's anger or sorrow was so intense. And she said, if you see it as, as this holy alchemy, this process that's actually revealing so much beauty underneath and stay with it, with that, with that, that seeing that lends a perception that this is a divine being, even if their story about themselves is so shadowy or horrible sounding underneath that is this innocent divine being. Yeah. So you're welcome. Initiation for me is really, I mean, there's deep metaphysical texts about this that you can find and from you know, the, the life of Yeshua Emmanuel, sometimes known as the Christ, there's a path of, um, you know, towards mastery, towards some level of um, what we might call even ascension or enlightenment that some souls are just like, I'm, I am committed to breaking free of this illusion, this, the cycle of like endless births and deaths and suffering. And on a very grand scale, initiation on a soul level is moving us towards embodying love, choosing what would love do, what would love say, how to be in a way Christ-like, if you want to use that word, like you're, you're walking a path of love and, the initiation will often feel like a challenge. The challenge is, is the loss or the betrayal or the something that doesn't go your ego's way. And then you're, you're given this choice point. Now, what, how like Jedi practice, you know, how do you choose now? So those initiations are often uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when we think of, you know, uh, the listeners who haven't done this, but is there some spaces opening up? You had said in the beginning of our podcast, presence. Is there some practices or, or you know, um, places of contemplation that they can enter? Absolutely. Yeah, for this? me, the, the most powerful and simple tool is breath. And in fact, in Aramaic, the same word for breath is the word for spirit, it is the same. And as we breathe consciously, we cannot help but come into the present moment and to return to this, this now. And one of the most powerful practices is to combine a conscious mantra, so to speak, in English as you're breathing and just bring yourself here now. Like I on the in-breath, am on the out-breath, here, now. And repeat because the mind is so busy. If you keep with that simple mantra and breath pattern, no matter what's going on, you're going to downregulate your nervous system. You're going to come back to center 
And another very powerful practice for me is just to put a hand on your heart chakra and to lean back a little bit. Because in the West, we're very forward, future-oriented. Our heads, and especially in our computers, we're leaning into the future, into stress. We're tucking our tails. And when you bring the crown of the head back and the heart forward, and you kind of ignite more back body awareness and feel how gravity is holding you, you immediately ground and root in this body. Then you combine deep, connected belly breaths with that mantra. And this could be a simple practice for all of us to come back to when things are tough, when our minds are contracting and resisting what's happening, come back to this moment. Yeah. <laughs> I would really like to have that be our call to action with our listeners. I, I think we, so. we ask them to embody an aspect of our conversation, our podcast, and I, I, I love that he brought the consciousness of presence, breath, um, and and it wasn't just the affirmation, uh, w but it really the flow of that with the the way we position our body. Because you're right. I mean, even once you said sit back, I realized how forward I was sitting. So, um, if our listeners try that, tell us what they think about it. Yeah. Put on social media, tag us at the BTO yeah, podcast. Practice that. Yeah, You're thank welcome. you. Thank you. That was, that was really relaxing too. It was. Yeah, it's it's amazing how you can change your chemistry so quickly. And then a friend of mine who teaches mindfulness and is a neuroscientist said, our emotions only really last 30 to 90 seconds. It's the stories we continue to repeat that release those same chemicals and feelings over and over that make us suffer. So if we can interrupt the process with a practice like that, it's freedom. You know, all this is bringing up, um, we're in the feminine, you're in the feminine, you're, you're sharing about the feminine. And, uh, and I, as a male, have a lot of feminine. I also have my masculine. Um, like I'm in men's group right now. I, yeah, I've done a lot of men's work. And yet there's something, there's something you're sharing that's not in men's work. It's almost too, I don't want to say too soft. It's not too soft for me. It, it, there's almost a yearning in me for this part. There's, there's this boast. I'm being very vulnerable now because there's a shame piece of, oh, it's too feminine, Mark. I mean, you know, even though I've gotten to feminine places, this is, and yet this is what my male is going like, I want this yeah. in my men's, because my men's work and it's great, but it's goal. It's always that Matt. And it's like, yes, I get that. Yeah. But there's a space in me that's this. And maybe it's just me or maybe the masculine needs to embrace this. I'm just putting it out to you. Maybe you can share your thoughts or whatever on yeah. it. Because I, I felt the peace in me, the tang that like. Yeah, we're, we're all really hungry for that kind of unconditional love. And whether we're in a male body or a female body, it's really the, the balm, the antidote to all the confusion and separation in this world. And. I know that, you know, we've been in a very masculine system that's very goal oriented. We're addicted to, to producing and becoming and getting our identity hits around success as like, well, what did you create in the world to show for who you really are? And that this is, you know, not the feminine. The feminine is honoring rest. The feminine is honoring the inward spiral and the fallow field, the dark. 
And our culture and our system would say, the dark is evil. The dark is scary. We can't go there. We don't want to go there. And my invitation is to remember these ancient cultures like Taoists that honored that yin and yang. It takes both. It's always the balance of the yin and the yang. And if you remember in the, in the white yang part of that spiral of that circle, there's a black circle. There's always a little bit mixing and blending in, in each, each aspect. So as a man hearing you say, you know, I'm longing for that, that soft embrace, that gentleness, that sweetness. I think as little boys, men are put in these like man boxes so quickly and conditioned and entrained not to feel as if that's heroic when really our feelings are our superpowers, because when we become really adept feeling body navigators, we're at choice, we're very intuitive, we're responsive. And when we're kind of, that's kind of beaten out of us, whether verbally or physically for many people, when they're young men initiated to be tougher, I, even in tribes, the men are sometimes initiated in ways that are so brutal. And my sense is that we're awakening to a balance, to a different time. And you can see it in the young people where there's a lot of gender fluidity now, and it may be swinging a little bit over even more to like amorphousness because there is the need for this duality polarity that honors both in balance. And that's why I have a word for that. It's called the, the sacred androgyne, where we can be very, very masculine appearing on the outside and, you know, even still heterosexual, but very in, t in touch with our femininity, with our receptive feeling body and more connected to our intuition. And that's, that's strength. And that vulnerability is strength. And men have been programmed to think vulnerability is weakness, where that word even has a charge, like, well, I don't want to get vulnerable. I would say get as vulnerable as you can. It's not collapsing into like the shadow feminine. It's actually revealing innocence and authenticity and heart. And especially in relationships, I think women are longing for men to be able to communicate from vulnerability. It's, it's just so crucial for real love to exist. It's interesting because on the other end of the spectrum, um, Mark knows that one of the places I've committed myself to is much more of my feminine embodiment. So I, I have my, you know, I call it my magnificent masculine. And it has been very successful part of me energetically with a successful career, propelled me a lot of focus. I can manage many projects at the same time, project manager by heart, even though I'm a therapist and, and, and coach. And yet the, the feminine, I've had much more of a toxic relationship, more of a victim, like that resentment, the overgiving, always chosen to be the mother earth and like, ah, like, and, and yet I honor that part of myself, but I haven't found the harmony of balancing the self care yeah. With the yeah, this is this is the great mother initiation you're pointing to right there. One of the shadows of the great mother is over responsibility, over caretaking, over giving. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then and then That's she invites true. us into self nurturance, self care. The light side of the great mother is this, you know, even self adoration, like self love, holding that that self as as primary. We have an expression, feed the feminine first for the women for their embodiment, like. 
So we're not just martyring ourselves for everyone else. And from there, you have a deeper well and a fuller chalice that's overflowing. So yeah, I'd love, I'd love to talk to you about, um, the exciting thing is for years, I did these circles only in person. So it was a very limited amount of people that were, um, able to do this deep work with me. And because of the pandemic, it was almost like adversity actually opened up opportunity. And I started an online 13 moon mystery school. So it's called the Mysterium. And now women from all across the country and even around the world can do this work together in an online live format. So it's, it's powerful. You might be interested in checking that out. (laughs) I I will. And I get to take the quiz from that space. You know, maybe we could talk about, well, not maybe, what is the feminine embodiment? I, you know, I know there's the archetypes, but since we, we spoke a little bit into the masculine and, and so give our listeners what that looks like and we'll really what does that open up when we embody that and what's the blocks? Right. For women? So sometimes I like to speak in like light and shadow because we're really familiar with the okay. shadows of both masculine and feminine. It's kind of been running the world. So we're more familiar maybe with the shadow masculine, which is suppressive and dominating and kind of harvesting and taking from the earth. And then what is the shadow feminine that actually kind of enables that narcissism? And that is the the collapsed, voiceless, victimized, damsel in distress archetype, or the uh, codependent, overmothering, over caretaking, the feminine without a voice that has no no say that she's just actually being kind of like plowed over. So as soon as the feminine rises into the sovereign embodiment of balance with her own inner light side of the masculine, I sometimes call this the solar feminine, which is a little different than lunar. Lunar energies are very reflective and intuitive. Solar feminine is actually dynamic and active and still in the feminine. And that is um, where collaboration, creativity, um, this feeling of unified fields can be created through that energy. It's honoring diversity recognizing unity and still honoring dazzling diversity. This feminine is cohering and bringing people together and uplifting, uplifting all. It's the opposite of the competitive scarcity model that we've been kind of fed in the world. So that's, that's something I'm passionate about. It's like when, when we've integrated our masculine, that yin and yang is, is intact and in our feminine embodiment, we are both feminine in our receptivity, intuition, softness, and compassion. And we're masculine in our clarity and discernment and alignment with, with like this greater truth, like what really serves the whole. That sounds powerful. (laughs) Your your words, your vibration (laughs) and words is incredible. It really is. Um, I know you speak in your, your quizzes on the beloved. Can you share what you consider the beloved and how people can step into that yeah. place? So our culture is kind of obsessed with romantic love as the end all be all of heaven on earth and happiness. And often what we're really doing over and over is projecting our anima as men onto women and our animus as women onto men. 
And that's your inner beloved. That's your soul essence that's alive within your heart. And we're, we're looking for an idealized lover to match that picture. And in the beginning of love stories, we're, we're often kind of, they say, wearing the rose color glasses because that person is, is being projected on so, so thoroughly by this, this like adoring light. And then eventually always they'll reveal, oh, they're a separate person. They're an ego that I don't like this or that. And then there's a kind of fall from grace out of that heavenly realm that we've created through our fantasy, basically. So the beloved within and this beloved archetype is honoring your inner beloved, who you are and your relationship with divine love. This way that you love, that you actually come home to yourself and honoring yourself. And then it's about sharing that love and seeing another as a divine being and having more of a holy relationship or a sacred relationship rather than a fantasy relationship. So the quiz is to support beings who maybe haven't thought about that for themselves. Like, how am I as, as a lover, as an embodiment of love, what do I embody or the archetypal energy that I'm already naturally that? And how can I then amplify that and really honor that and share that? And then the quiz also will go into some of the shadow aspects. When you recognize what your archetype is, it's helpful to know that you might have these other patterns that have sabotaged you from healthy relationships. And when you come out of the shadows, you can honor your, your light and really amplify your light to share with others. Is there... And I encourage our listeners to go take your um, your quiz on your website, and we'll have that um, your your website on our show notes. Is there some practices or you know ways of approaching ways of being that will um, assist our listeners in that journey of embodying their own beloved? Yes, there's so many practices. When someone works with me, I'm really listening for there's stories about where they're not that basically as I get to like really feel and meet people, I can quickly feel into like which tools and practices would really serve them the most. There are some kind of general practices that are really, really simple. And sometimes I start with the inner child work before the, you know, you're building towards trusting yourself again, building towards having a relationship to your inner self. And some of us feel so abandoned by the divine, so abandoned by our parents that to then start to say like, I am the beloved within, it's like a kind of a leap that we go first through these gates of self-trusting and just starting to make contact. So a really beautiful, simple way to create a new pattern in your life from the beginning of your day is if you had like perhaps a name that you loved being called as a child, like for instance, I was called Sunshine when I was a little girl until I went into school. And then I was like, who's Sarah? I have so many names now. I'm like, who's Sarah now? No. But anyway, Sunshine was my inner child's name. And when I started doing this practice, I really felt this connection to my joy again, to my creativity, to my, the place that we believed anything was possible when we were children. So before you get out of bed, put your hand on your heart, which releases oxytocin. Again, that's why we, we keep coming back to the heart centered awareness and just say, good morning. I love you. 
And then you can, if you had a name that's like, makes you feel loved, good morning, I love you, sunshine. And just starting that relationship there with self-love because self-love is the key to any true lasting love with another being. And I know we hear about it. It's become so kind of like, oh, another self-love course. Gee, you know, what's, what's different with this one? It's true. And time and time again, I'll have mostly women. I do work with men too, but they'll say like, wow, I felt this upwelling of love for my inner being, my inner child that I have never felt before. And I'm making healthier choices for myself now out of that love. Mm -hmm. And I'm listening to what that voice really wants now. It's like starting to establish a new relationship and loving the self and then loving all others as we love the self. So until we can actually love ourselves, we're looking for it. It's like reaching into the mirror, trying to get it from another person. But whenever we reach into a mirror, you know, it's just like <laughs> taking from the self, you know? So I love this expression that love is forgiving not forgetting and it's a play on words right because true love is also forgiving like you have more compassion when you are in love with life and yourself and oh, your cup is overflowing that you feel abundant in your presence and it's not forgetting <laughs> it's not for trying to get from anyone else and um, there's another beautiful saying that if you're looking for an expression of unconditional love in the world, it's like looking for a breath of air under the ocean. You better take your oxygen tanks with you. It's really about taking it with you and, and offering it and being it. And from your emanation and from your vibration and from your magnetism, that reciprocity flows and others are uplifted and you literally raise the vibration of the beings around you through that. I don't want this to ever end. <laughs> it's just a beautiful, you're the, you just yeah. create a beautifulness that's, it radiates from you and you can feel it. That's what's really beautiful. Your essence, you actually sit and talk with you, but you feel that coming right into your body. It's, it's beautiful. And the way you bring it, it's, it's incredible. Thanks. And I would say, Mark, that you have the resonance because there's a similar frequency. So it's like hearing and recognizing truth. Like when one tuning fork rings, the other starts singing with it. So I'm mm -hmm. just reflecting back to you, your beautiful heart that you are so resonating with these, these words. Thank you. Appreciate that. With that said, um, we do come to an end. Too bad. Um, do you have any departing words of wisdom you want to share with our audience or from your heart, which you've shared so much already, but in closing? Let me just feel into that. And in my heart, I feel like I could just really speak to whoever's watching and listening and if they can see my eyes too, just to know. I know that in these times we've been in, many of us feel really alone and we feel separate. And my, my desire, my prayer today is to just transmit something of truth into your heart that you are, you are not alone. Even if you feel isolated or physically alone, you are so, so loved. And there is, there is a larger divine grace that is permeating this realm, this parent realm of separation. So don't give up and 
keep coming back to your heart, your sacred heart, deep, deep in the center of your heart chakra. There's a, a jewel that can never be tarnished, that can never be broken, that nothing that's ever happened to you in this world can destroy. And that's where I meet you. And that's where we find the greatest peace and freedom. So much love, only love. Wow. Thank you. Oh, it's a beautiful space to end with and, uh, and to give ourselves mm, to come home. That's uh, part of the theme, I think, for 2022. So we get to all come home. Come home. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to meet and share. Um, you know, my experience is there, the feminine embodiment is a, a concept, and, and then there's the beingness. And so you're the beingness. So thank you for showing up in the space in which you, you, you represent. Yeah, it's really my honor to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Honor to have you. Thank you. I, I want to thank everyone uh, for listening today to Break Through the Ordinary Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and our deep dive into your own wisdom that you get to live by to have the extraordinary life. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, leave a rating and share with others on social media. Catch the latest. Please follow us at the BTO Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you again. Until next time, be well. <laughs>